welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be going through the 1974 American horror classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a movie about a group of teens going back to their family's home that has been abandoned for decades. While there, the teens are beset upon by a mask-wearing, hulking figure using a chainsaw, a meat hook, and also a tenderizer as weapons. What follows is a harrowing story based on true life events that detail a massacre. Now, Zach, what really was the massacre in this movie? What really was the massacre? Um, the very slow pacing of it with no payoff. I thought you might say as much. I think it's a fine movie. Listen, <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> I think that it is. I, I don't know what your issue with it is. I think that it's I, a already, fine movie. I've already said what my issue. It, that truly is like the main issue. Because like the acting, it's fine. It's not, you know, this is not Oscar worthy by any means, but it's fine it's passable at least with you know horror movies in general especially in the 70s but and and i talked about this when we're watching it but there is just something about acting in the 70s i'm speaking very generally but acting in the 70s is just like they inserted these scenarios and these lines in movies that people would never naturally do right you know it's it's just weird so it kind of takes me out of it and my problems with it are just, it's just so slow. And I feel like almost nothing happens in this movie. I just don't find it scary, even though it's mm-hmm. something that could totally happen. Like, okay, well, let me ask you, what do you find to be frightening in this movie? I didn't say anything about it being frightening. Well, it's a horror movie, Matt. It's supposed to be frightening. What do you think people find frightening about them? The, uh, the actors. <laughs> the actors? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it's supposed to be a portrayal of like this derangement of of the human condition. Right. I think that the the biggest thing that these movies do and what they have always done in the slasher genre is appeal to a swath of people that are afraid of the ordinary. This idea that these people are real, they could exist, and that they are not far out there from what you would encounter. The old man, the the father who is sort of the de facto head of household of this, you know, cannibal family is made to be a normal person that they think that they can go to for help, which turns out to not be the case. And so you have different degrees of horror. You have Leatherface, which represents the dysmorphic horror or like the the image horror it is a a figure that is neither masculine nor feminine in its portrayal because of this absence you have the the deranged younger person who is sort of the stereotypical serial killer vibe he represents a certain madness that is unhinged and unassailable beginning with his inability to feel pain apparently which is you know incited by him cutting his hand inside of the car so he represents that you know the hitchhiker quandary then you have the old man who represents the horror of time the passage of time and also it the horror of a tradition that has kept this going for so long and trust issues (laughs) because he he Mm -hmm. externally looks like he can be trusted and sally goes to him for help but he ends up being really the worst one of all of them no Uh, i mean the grandpa i mean the 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 grandpa grandpa oh because who um, represents the horror of age and the generation of educating people to be this way specifically male figures to be this way okay i thought you were talking about the father who is kind of like billed in in casting as the old man and the grandpa is billed as is 
grandpa, so I was confused by that, but I get what you mean. Yes, sorry, yeah, the old <laughs> the old man who is who is really the head of the household, who is the best actor in the movie. <laughs> yes, for sure. I guess followed by the um, the hitchhiker. He's, I mean, he's he's pretty good. It's just like I don't know. There, there's a lot of repetition in this movie too. Like the number of times that Franklin screams Sally's name, the number of times that the hitchhiker calls his father just the cook. And it's just like, I, I get what's driving at, but it's just, there's a lot of a lot of unnecessary filler in this movie, I feel. And I think that's really, it's not efficient. I'm all about efficiency. It, it just bugs me. It, as someone who enjoys more like horror nouveau, as you put it, it just kind of offends my sensibilities in a really clean and efficient delivery of a plot and also meaning that goes along with that plot. I can understand that, and I I won't say that I don't have that same critique that some things are drawn out, but I think that we have been so thoroughly assailed with films that are fast-paced and that are constantly oriented and such, that to have a film like this that all of a sudden drops that pace back, that really contemplates every single shot, and gives what I think is a more true-to-life experience, because Mm -hmm. temporally, it's a lot more accurate. There is a repetitiveness to those gestures that I think plays into that quality of horror. And it's also like this theme of going for something over and over again a little bit of a trial and error that is representative of the exploitation of and the violence against women i said for example that scene in which they give grandpa the mallet and they are gonna have him kill sally because you know he's the best he's right? the best yeah and so there that that whole scene is so indicative of the fragility of masculinity as it relates to essentially men not being able to be aroused like it there is a there is a sexual undertone to that whole scene mm-hmm. that is i think indicative of that and it feels like a lot of those gestures are the same it's like it's constantly trying to achieve something but the flaccidity of the situation is more realistic and is more grounded, which is why I like it. I think that there's a lot to to say about this movie because it slows down that pace. Yeah. Because a lot of it is set piece oriented. Yes. And I like those aspects of it. I completely agree with the, that scene that you're talking about. And, you know, we popularly associate violence with masculinity and this this is a, a man who is barely even a person anymore <laughs> he's just like subsisting off of a small amount of blood every once in a while um we can only assume and it's like he's not even capable of a small amount of violence anymore especially without assistance and it's just like given that scope kind of an insult to his manhood like you're like you're saying and i like i like that aspect of it once i did a little bit more digging into the let's say motivations <laughs> of this this film i liked it a little bit more i still do not like it i will say that and the the fact that i actually had to do some digging and that it wasn't a little more overt for someone who is looking for it i'm wanting more purpose from this film. So it's interesting that you bring up the, the masculinity thing, but also I think that ties into the fact that this family is kind of a relic of the 
the old way of slaughtering animals. In The Hitchhiker even says in the beginning that his grandfather and his brother work in the slaughter and meat industry. And they're all about the old ways of doing it. They say that um, actually, you know, beating the, the cow to death is the best way to do it or to bleed the cow out. And that's what you see Leatherface doing to his victims. And um, they actually use the human victims as meat. And y you get the impression that they are very much into the old ways of, and they're not able to adapt to this new kind of like commercialized version of slaughtering and just overall life. And I think that's really where the potential horror is, is that you kind of step back in time to these people who are doing things in a much more barbaric and brutal way than what you're what we're used to in modern times. We have our kind of muted, what's what's the right term? Or, or muted, I, I wanna say sensibilities, but that would be the opposite. Like, <laughs> we're a little more protected in, in the way guarded. that we- Yeah, guarded by technology and, and commercialism, really. We no longer have to hunt for our meat, not that these people do, but uh, we're not so exposed to how we get our products and how they're made and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it goes back to the old saying, like, you like your sausage, but you don't want to see the sausage being made, you know? Yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. And we know you've done a lot of digging, and I will admit I have not. It's, I have not done any. It's not that much. All, all of my analysis is my own because I'm thoughtful. and You've seen this more than twice. I've seen it more than twice. The The idea of the, like... The industrial revolution coming and taking these people's job, it kind of hinges on that argument of loss of respectability. And so I think that that is another aspect of, you know, masculine sensibilities. Mm -hmm. We're in the 1970s, so we're having to contend now with women's liberation as well. Uh, not, of course, women's liberation happened earlier. It started earlier. But it's the, it's the very fact that top of mind. Right. We've we've had a significant rise in civil rights movements, both for people of color and for women, especially in late 50s, 60s and 70s. And so it is still in the, the front of a lot of people's thought processes for this. One of the affects or issues with the civil rights movement and not issues as in the issues that it caused, because obviously very pro-civil rights movement, was that women going out, getting jobs, becoming independent, emasculated a lot of men. Mm -hmm. In the same way that in World War II, when many of the men went to war, women took over certain jobs. When men came home from war, they didn't have those jobs because they also realized that they could pay women less. A whole issue, but men not having a job to come back to meant that they were emasculated because they were no longer the protectors of the house. Especially, this movie... Sorry, I just want to add, especially coming back from war, where it's like especially know, coming ma back from war. macho season. Yeah, and so this film puts women sort of at the forefront. One of the things that I think uh, is discussable about this in particular is that the men in this movie have fairly quick deaths, mm -hmm. right? So each of the men, they it's kind of a, a one and done, you know, one pump chumps and they're well, down for the count. And then all of the women go through a significantly longer process of torment and torture at the hands of men that feel that they have been mas uh, emasculated 
by an industrial capitalism that has subsumed their role and economic status. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, is the recipient of their ire, unfortunately, women. And mm-hmm. so that's why this movie is so indicative of exploitation and the exploitative processes of these characters. Yeah, if, if you piece it all together like this, it's effective. That's why I wish there's a little bit more of a breadcrumb trail rather than just here is some violence against women and here are some emasculated men. It's it's very it's it's so subtle that it's ineffective in my opinion. And I think that that's kind of uh, what Leatherface represents too, because the face that we see him wearing for a majority of the film is feminized, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has makeup on the the like mask, right? It has. Uh, a bright blue garish eyeshadow and it has pink cheeks and and uh, red lips so that it is clear that the image is that of a feminized man who is then enacting violence against women as his own vehicle of emasculate uh emasculinization and when he's wearing that face in particular he's using a higher pitched voice than is heard earlier in the movie you notice that yes <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that's part of it as well or, or that that could be kind of playing into the whole deranged aspect of it but you know it's funny that you bring up the the male victims dying very fast and kind of seeming seemingly inconsequentially uh because they don't really do much developing of either jerry or kirk um who both just die from a, a mallet strike to the face and the only male character that we really do get well the only male victim that we really do get some development on is franklin but he's the quote-unquote invalid he is dependent upon sally to get around Mm -hmm. so it kind of plays into it even more of this this emasculation and what do we get at the beginning of the movie to introduce franklin is they have to stop by the side of the road for him to urinate into a coffee can and then he is he you know, falls down into the ditch while he's doing it. And it's like, that is hugely emasculating right off the bat. So we kind of get that hint of that right away. Yeah, it does not portray Franklin in a in a positive light. In fact, it does exactly the opposite. It sort of places a burden upon him. Well, he places and, a burden and, upon the others, apparently. Right. Not, not that Which disabled people are. Which is not his fault. <laughs> right. right. I'm not trying to say that disabled people are a burden, but he does hint at that. He asked Sally, you didn't want me to come, did you? You know, because of, you know, his, his disability. Yeah, it is one of those things where it's very clear what the intent of of his character type is, which is the, the one who is dependent upon the woman. Again, mm-hmm. there is uh, almost in a way that is infantilized because his character traits are largely treated as childish, yeah, right? He, he is not the most attractive character in, in personality, for sure. He, he is very, what's, he complains a lot. And it's, yeah, there's that whole scene of him kind of like mocking the others when he's on his own because they kind of leave him behind and you know justifiably he he is mocking them but it's still in a very childish way right i think that he's just another he's another case of that like reading of liberation as theme because they try to represent all of the shades of the liberated woman in sally 
But then each of the male archetypes in this, the father, the son, the grandfather, the feminine man, the ch- the the man as child, and then, you know, we have the, the regular guys, right? Mm-hmm. So it's trying to separate their personality into these very specific archetypes. Mm-hmm. Whereas the women, Pam is one, Sally is truly the feminine protector, right? She mm-hmm. is the she is the liberated independent which, woman who never stops fighting. Yeah, which is another issue that I have cuz like if this is the point they're trying to make, which, you know, very good point. It just the way that Sally is portrayed, it's like she's so bland. You know, they don't do much to make you like Sally. So this is something that I feel like they could have done a lot more effectively. To get the point across, there there is so much development that, that they could have done with Sally's character that would have conveyed this their, their purpose much more effectively. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't agree? <laughs> I think that all of the characters are bland. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would not say that Franklin is bland. I, I would not say that any of the quote-unquote villains are bland, but... All the rest of them, yes. Yeah, and there is, I think, a statement to be made on the the every man quality to them that can be imprinted upon by normal Americans because Sally represents <laughs> the average woman. Yes, but let's not use that as a crutch. <laughs> this is just... I'm going to use it as a crutch. No. Because I think that that's <laughs> just, what it is. That is a flimsy defense because... It, it is... It is the the realistic portrayal of the american life but she, she hardly has the... she hardly has any lines until it's just her and franklin <laughs> exactly because you are supposed to be projecting onto sally would you question if you had to if they the uh girl from divergent who she's also milk toast i've never seen that Okay, well, watch a movie sometime. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Would you? Would you? Okay. Uh. Uh. Other. Laurie Strode. Does Laurie Strode have a personality? Um, I def- definitely more than Sally does. Cause she's. What she's, are you talking about? Well, she's bookish, and she, you know, they have. What? <laughs> Nothing. No, they actually, she has lines. She talks to her friends. You see her interact with other people before the conflict is introduced. And then she's and just I, running exactly. around screaming. You're you're proving my point. Well, they don't have that with Sally. Yes, exactly. Which means that Sally is representative of the every person while Laurie Strode is the individual who you can't map onto. Yeah, I'm no. winning this. <laughs> See, my problem is not with <laughs> the everyman argument. I will let that go. But I'm saying she's got to be more than that to be a compelling character and to actually convey the the purpose of this uh, and and the um the meaning that they're trying to drive at here. Why does there have to be meaning? They're just, well. Okay. Why can't it just be a scary movie, Zach? It can be, but. Why can't a woman just be a woman okay, fighting for her Matt, survival? <laughs> it can't. It absolutely can be. But my point is, if there is no no meaning in this movie, then it's a bad, scary movie. It's no, not. That's what makes it good. 
Th no meaning? It's like the strangers. You like the strangers. Yeah, but the the meaning of they that didn't have was, a purpose. The purpose is to to shine a light on this. Just happens sometimes, and there's there's no meaning and why can't, to it. There, why can't a cannibal family living in Texas? No, no, no. So okay, so brutalize this is, a group of teens. <laughs> they can, I guess. That are on a road trip. Okay, I'm just saying. This they, is it a happens good sometimes. This is a good comparison. The strangers. You ever heard of a? You ever heard of a sundown town, Zach? Yes, I, let me let me let me make this point, all right? <laughs> Before you start distracting me and making it sound like I lost the argument. So you just hate women. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> so the strangers, the meaning right. is that there is no meaning. There is chaos uh -huh. in the universe, and you know there are just bad people out there, and so you should be scared of them. That's the meaning, right? And it's it's a whole like kind of negative. It, it's it's the void that you should be afraid of. Right. Uh huh. This, <laughs> there is too many elements moving around for that to be this. There's just there was. I thought you said that it was. I thought you said it was slow and that there wasn't a lot happening. There is. It is. <laughs> you <laughs> say it. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Honestly, this might be our most entertaining episode so far. Maybe I don't know. Um, depends on if people like hearing two people yell at each other through microphones we're not yelling <laughs> uh well i'm not yelling <laughs> i'm having a gr i'm having a great time no it's just so yes okay so there is going a lot going on in this movie but it just okay. ha it all happens so slowly it does not escalate in a satisfying way is, is how i'll put it at least to me I understand that this is subjective i have an opinion about this and i'm sharing my opinion and there are a lot of people who love this movie and i'm probably they're automatically going to hate me when they listen to this but yeah you're putting yourself out there for the i am one. putting myself out there um because this is just not my thing and i i need something to have at least a point and this if the point is what we discussed earlier with masculinity and commercialization and the industrial revolution then i need more of that or just it to be I need the information to be presented in a way that's effective. And I feel like it, it just doesn't do that. So um, what if that's not the meaning? What if that's not the meaning? Okay. Then... What if the meaning is to demonize Texans? <laughs> if the meaning is to demonize Texans. <sighs> then it's still doing a good job. I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I feel like it's still not effective because are these we never really get a clear idea. Are these teenagers from Texas? Where are they? Where are they oh, from? What I, is, see, I thought you were going to say, see, I thought you were going to say that we don't really get a clear picture because they're not really demonizing Texans. They're showing an accurate portrayal. Oh, well, of the, the barbaricism. No, Texas um, has gotten better over the years. Because, you know. Okay. Well, it's rolling back a lot of that getting better recently. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in in a social social kind of way rather than I don't know whatever this is. Sorry, I forget. Have you watched the new Netflix Texas Chainsaw? Yeah, of course okay. I have. Man, that would be a really cool idea for like a newer Texas Chainsaw is to have some kind of statement like that. Yeah, <laughs> because with the new one they went with gentrification, which like important, but is it really Texas? But they're trying to demonize millennials. Yeah. 
I mean, that's not, that's of all the things to demonize nowadays. <laughs> well, you know, millennials are, are the economic boogeyman for a lot of people. So they're yeah. just like. Maybe, maybe we'll do another episode on that one. We can compare the yeah. two. Because I, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard, I've heard good things. I've heard eh, okay things. Um, so we'll talk about it later. But I was just wondering if maybe that's has anything to do with it, but I guess not. Um, what I did like about this, though, you know, there, there are things... This is not... By no means is this the worst movie that we've gone yeah, over, this, in my it's opinion. Not an op- it's not the open house. No, it's... It, of the ones we've ra- watched recently, it's weird that I'm saying this, but uh, this is actually one of the better ones. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are, there are things I liked about, like the references to other horror franchises and films it they re- they reference dracula almost right off the bat uh, in a really funny way in my opinion and i think it's kirk that jokes that they just pulled up to like bella lugosi's house um with the, the banded house which is kind of funny and then you also said there's um a line that's like straight out of night of the living dead right yeah yeah. It's referential. It's, it's yeah. incredibly referential. Which is crazy because this is a movie that is referenced a lot in modern horror. And there, I mean, this is 1973 that was made. And it's just like, they didn't have a ton to pull from, at least as far as like the modern blockbuster is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. I mean, but were you going to like Dracula, right? You know, uh-huh. Frankenstein. Like mm-hmm. the, the Franklinstein. Thoughts. Okay, that's the other thing that really <laughs> <laughs> And I brought this up. So they're talking to the, the guy at the gas station and Franklin leans out the window to the the old man. He goes he goes, uh, do you know where the old Franklin place is? And I'm like, is his name Franklin Franklin? Cause the old Franklin place, that implies that their last name is Franklin. Either right. Franklin is going by his last name. And his sister, Sally, is calling him by his last name. Or his name is Franklin Franklin. His name is Franklin Hardesty. So why do you say the old Franklin place? I don't know. <laughs> Sally's name is Sally Hardesty. <laughs> do they ever say their last name? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I must have missed that. But it's just weird that he... Like, why, why is that what they wrote for the script? It, yeah, it does feel like they kind of o- overlooked some things. Some things. She escapes at the end, though. She does. She, the final girl lives. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, would you rather she have died? Eh, I don't think it would have mattered either way to me. <laughs> what do you think of the dance scene at the end? The dance scene. I called that the chainsaw ballet. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he, it's not a ballet. That's Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers. <laughs> 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 I it's it's fine. I know a lot of people are like like really love that image. Um, I like that he's wearing a suit, uh, and then he like dresses up in a suit for the, yeah. uh, the dinner. Very but, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe the inspiration. He also Pulp falls Pulp. and chainsaws his leg, so it felt well, like I was watching my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's dad was in a chainsaw accident a couple of years ago. Yeah, my dad was in a minor chainsaw accident in which he chainsawed his leg. Um, we oh, refer to the shit. anniversary of it as the day of my father's chainsaw. <laughs> this the day He's of my father. Obviously fine. Dad, if you're listening, 
you're not listening, but we do refer to it as this the day of my father's chainsaw. <laughs> the anniversary is coming up, right? It is coming up. Is it, isn't it in April? Yeah. Okay. See, I even I, I have a hard time remembering my nieces and nephews' birthdays, but that I can remember. <laughs> it was a big deal for a lot of us. Yeah. So it's you know it is a good it's a it's it's, it's what it is. It's fine. <laughs> out of five skulls. Out of five skulls, I give it a two and a half. Really? Is that low? That's so that's so low. That's not that low. That's half. I'd go three and a half. Okay. Well, just, there just there's like, our. Uh, I feel like two and a half is pretty pretty generous considering what, what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, which is that you hated it. So also like to be five or even four, really like I really like the movie. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get you. So I feel like I. I feel like three is like yeah, okay. You know. It's, it's, I will accept good. your. I, I will accept your offer. Thank you. I feel validated. Maybe I'll have a, a greater appreciation for it if I watch sequels or remakes or. I don't know about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe the opposite. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch New Evil. This is Matt, and this is Zach. And remember, if you can't make your own chainsaw, Texas bot is fine. I don't know. We I can't do we one. can't do you can't do that two episodes in a row. Do you have a better one? No. <laughs> uh and remember, um two's company, three's a slaughterhouse. <laughs> two's company, three's company, four's a massacre. <laughs> oh yeah. That? We didn't talk about that. How they call it a massacre. <laughs> <laughs>